Hello everyone and welcome to broadcast number 72 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show that airs bi-weekly on Saturdays at noon U.S. Central Time to help you keep up with the ever-evolving world of indie game development, debate about issues in the indie game scene, and to let you into the mind of some of the most interesting people behind the creation of indie games. Today is February 13th and I'll be your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest United States. And we have a guest today, William Shearer. You want to you wanna say hi? Uh, hello, everybody. William's working on a really cool game called Manifold Garden. We'll, we'll be talking with him uh, about that, uh, how he got into games, and all sorts of cool stuff. Indie Radio is separated into two chunks. We have the news and then the interview. If you want to participate in the show, you can, you can jump in our IRC. It's at the bottom of the radio page. Uh, just plug in the username and click enter, or else if you have an IRC client, you can go to the afternet.org network and join Indie Function, I-N-D-I-E Function, uh, and you can ask questions, you can suggest show, or not show top, just uh, articles that we might have missed uh, news-wise. So yeah, you can jump in the IRC and uh, talk to talk to us, ask questions, all sorts of cool stuff. We, uh, we just got Garlando Bloom in there, who I recognize from the Handmade community, pretty cool guy. Uh, so yeah, uh, join us and ask questions. Otherwise, we're just going to jump into the news, and uh, today we have three three topics. Uh, the first one is Indicate 2016 submissions are open, and the deadline is May 15th. However, if you get in before April 1st, there is a $30 discount, so it's it's $80 instead of the full uh, $110 to submit your game, and that is for the uh, Indicade main event that happens out in Culver City uh, every fall. And then if you submit to the early submissions, you're also able to get into their E3 showcase. Yep, that's right. Which is which is super cool. So not only will you be able to get a discount, but you also have the chance to be in uh, a second showcasing of all these indie games. And uh, William, I know you've gone to Indie Arcade before. Did you showcase a game there? I did not. No, they had a. Uh, I was there in 2014, and they had a sort of before Indie Arcade starts. There's like an, an event called Indie Exchange. Yep. Where it's it's more focused on uh, for developers, and I did show the game there at a show and tell, but that was that was it. It wasn't in the official Indiecade event. Yeah. Oh, okay. So okay, you, wait, you you were there 2014? Uh, yeah, that was when I was at Indiecade. Oh man, I I was at that one too, and but that was before I even knew who you were. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Shoot. <laughs> Otherwise, we could have bumped into each other and said hi. <laughs> well, I'm sure there will be plenty of other game events. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Indiecade's the only one that I've uh, been able to get out to so far. I I've gone to the last two years and they've been they've been fantastic. But hopefully I can uh, get out to GDC and other other events. Or are you or not? Yeah, you've got a, you've got a talk coming up at this GDC. Uh, yes, yes, I'll be in the uh, level design workshop. Ooh, uh, and that I'll be talking about uh, level design and impossible geometry, um, which should be very interesting. Nice. So the the next uh, news topic is Unity adds the or support for the new 3DS. <laughs> I, I had I, I had a brain fart there. All of Nintendo's handhelds, the the names for them, there was the Nintendo DS, the 3DS, the 3DS XL, the new 3DS. It's hard to keep up, but um, Unity has uh, a developer program that uh, develop indie developers can get into, um, and you can now make games for the new 3DS through their program, which, which is super cool. Uh, I've, take, I've taken a look at the developer program, and uh, as long as you have 
a company, you can get into the full program, which includes the new 3DS and uh, Wii U and all that. Otherwise, if you don't have a corporate entity, you can also get into the subset of the developer program that allows you to develop Wii U games using um, Unity and HTML5. Um, so if anybody wants to get into Unity, you can check that out. Posting a link to it. Oh, no. That would not be the link. That would be code that was in my clipboard from earlier. <laughs> uh, th- there's the link. Uh, it's in the IRC. So if anybody wants to check that out. So, William, I- I'm guessing in light of this news, you're probably going to be porting Manifold Garden to 3DS, right? <laughs> uh, you know, j- just because something, an option is there doesn't mean you should take it. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't think that would go over well. You the rendering, the multiple worlds, yeah. like that probably wouldn't be possible at all. Uh, I mean, there's always, you can always do stuff to make it work, right? But it's like right now we are having a hard enough time as it is, <laughs> just worrying about PS4. Um, so we will we will focus on that first. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking a while back, like. Somebody uh, introduced me to uh, Game Boy programming, and they were just telling me about all the constraints, and I'm like, whoa. Like, I always thought, you know, handhelds would be easier, because, you know, it's all 2D and whatever, but no, you've got you've got a whole other world to think about when it comes to all that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of game engines, Amazon released uh, game creation tools this week uh, called Lumberyard and GameLeft. And it, it was a really big announcement. They're doing... They're doing a dozen things, so it's going to be hard for me to say everything just perfect. But Lumberyard is their new 3D open source game engine built off of the Cry uh, Crytek engine, uh, or Crytek's Cry engine. I I don't even know what the naming is there. They're, they're... The guys that made Crisis, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Crytek's Cry engine. There, there it is. Yeah, uh, that does Crisis. Yep. It's it's cross platform. It works. Uh, um, Windows, a Linux, Mac, uh, and I don't know what it exports to yet, but it's this huge, huge thing uh, that's going to be rivaling Unity and Unreal Engine. But what makes it really cool is uh, not only uh, is it C++ and you, you get to manage the memory yourself and you, you have a lot of control over not only the code that your game use, uses, but you can also change the editor itself, but you can also integrate with a lot of Amazon's other services, such as uh, AWS, Amazon Web Services, I think. I think that's what it stands for. Uh, so you can you can integrate your games with Amazon servers just super easily through this. And I, I believe that's what GameLift is, which, which they released this week. I think that's their AWS game dev version of it. Like, like I said, there's a lot going on here, um, and I highly suggest you read up about it. Because there's a lot of little details, and it, they all kind of mention each other, so you got to like read back. But as time goes on, I'm sure it'll become really clear what everything is here. And uh, what's what's the other thing? Oh yeah, Twitch. They're doing a lot of cool Twitch integration. So games like uh, Choice Chamber and uh, City Stream, where you can you can type commands into the Twitch chat and stuff happens in the game. It's gonna be super easy. It's already built into this engine because that's that's where Amazon wants to take this is to make games that utilize cloud connectivity just to make online games, multiplayer games, Twitch games, super easy to make. So, yeah, that's Amazon lumberjacking uh, game left. So check that out if, if you're interested. Whew! Did, did you hear about that this week, William? Uh, the lumberyard? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was sort of everyone was talking about it, and, uh, you know, during my development streams, people people brought it up. Uh, it's not something I'm, I'm going to look into. Um, just at, at this stage, we are, <laughs> we are not changing engines <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Yeah, no, it wasn't. A, I definitely wasn't asking if you're changing engines, <laughs> but uh, that that would be a nightmare to port an entire game right now in a in a beta engine. But yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see what comes out of it. I I didn't see Amazon uh, releasing this. I remember a little while ago they said something that they were looking for some sort of game engineers, but I thought they were making a game themselves. Yeah, I thought it was focusing more on their their like a PC title. Uh, so the them releasing an engine uh, definitely did come as as a pretty big surprise. And then I, I'm not sure about the name yet. Lumberyard. Lumberyard. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I feel like with 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 uh, your company title Amazon, there 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 must be some really clever pun uh, that they could have come up with. Yeah. Probably, because Amazon, you could be talking about the, yeah, the river, yeah. some sort of, I don't know, there, there's probably a couple puns in their, uh, in their write-up, uh, about Twitch streaming, because stream, river. Yeah. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll just have to, like, wait and see what the, the name choice was. Game Lift, uh, sounds cool, though, because it lifts your games to servers, it mm. kind of makes sense, but. Hey, look at that, uh, Opner Coinbray is in the chat, he's also redirecting the stream to uh, his Twitch channel in case anybody else is having problems. It looks like Garlando Bloom still is. So sorry about that. Uh, we've been thinking about switching from um, 1,000 mics recently, and we might start streaming on Twitch. Just my internet isn't that good, so we're sticking with 1,000 mics for a while. So we will we'll be changing. But Speaking of Obner, uh, you did a stream with him recently, too. Yeah, I think was it was the last week or the week before. Uh, it was two or three weeks ago, yeah. Because last week he had a uh, Casey Miratori on. Right, right, right. Yes, yeah. And today he's got a uh, handmade Quakes uh, Philip Book, which is gonna be super exciting. Right now we're, we're talking to you, so let's let's ask you questions. So Manifold Garden, for those listeners who aren't familiar with it, do you want to give a little rundown of kind of the, the premise of the game? Uh, <laughs> if that's even easy, the game. yeah, it's it's. Uh, let's see, yeah. So the game, I it's uh, this game that explores impossible geometry and how physics is affected by it. All set in this world made up of crazy Escher-esque architecture. It's. Uh, in a lot of ways, a metaphor for the last 400 years of physics. You start off learning about how gravity works in this game, which is a little different than our normal world. You can walk on walls and ceilings. And then from there, you start learning about the shape of the universe that's in the game. And along the way, you can plant trees, redirect streams of water, and solve lots of puzzles. Um, yeah, I think that that's my brief synopsis. <laughs> No, that, that was a good one. Kind of gives an idea. I I really like how you describe the uh, the physics, how how it's like the evolution through the the last four hundred years. Yeah, uh, it is, and it's it's you know it's sort of condensing that all into a format that's you know hours in length as opposed to years. Uh, but 
taking, letting the player sort of journey through and have all those epiphanies of, oh, I see. And now, and then you, you experiment and you observe and you rebuild the mental model that you have over the world mm-hmm. and then go on to do more things with, with your knowledge. <laughs> more things with your knowledge. So, like, I'm guessing that there's going to be a lot of stuff in the game that um, you you walk by and you, you see it, but you don't understand it, or you don't even know that it's something you can do yet. And, like, as you go on, maybe, like, you learn new things, and then you're like, oh, I, I saw that earlier. Is, is yeah, there any yeah, of that, or is it more of a linear? A lot of it is has you sort of going back to previous places and looking at the levels in a completely new way. Um, you know, I mean, sort of the core of the game like why you can change gravity and you can walk on different surfaces and change your orientation and the meaning of that mechanic is that the problem is still the same but you're getting a new perspective of it mm-hmm. right so it's all about looking at things with new perspectives and changing your orientation is a very obvious one like i am quite literally a new perspective of the world but then there are also that also ties into your knowledge of the world. You know, you go by something that just seems like a box mm-hmm. um, that's not very significant, but then you come back later and now all of a sudden, okay, I see what, why this is here and what that's doing and how I'm looking at this level completely changes. So there's, there's also perspective, change of perspective in that sense. <laughs> that is so cool. Like, ah, the, Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like my my mind's like processing all this. And I'm like, oh, that is such a cool way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, all of this stuff is is very difficult to talk about with just words. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose, which is why at the end of the day, it's a it's a video game, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's an audio visual interactive experience. Um, yeah, no, audio is was something that I I know Mike would bring up if if he was with us today. He'd be asking you all sorts of stuff about. How you how you've approached audio, and I, I guess I'll kind of ask those questions for him. Like, uh, what what kind of uh, challenges and uh, ideas have you tried conveying through the audio in the game, or if, if there is audio yet? I don't I don't actually. Know. Um, yeah, we we have some placeholder stuff, but they're very much just placeholder at the moment of like seeing which areas need. Uh, need feedback. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's it's sometimes. When you press a button, it's hard for players to recognize that they've pressed it without this sound. Uh, and then once you add that, it's like, oh, okay, now I see what's happening. So, so at the moment, all the sounds are there primarily for that purpose of like, okay, we need we need feedback for the player here. We need feedback for the player there, and not so much. It hasn't really tied into sort of the theme of the game. Mm-hmm. There is in, you know, a big inspiration for the game is, uh, in terms of audio, is William Bazinski. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's he's sort of best known for this album called The Disintegration Loops. Um, and so the game deals a lot with loops, spatially, not so much time. Well, maybe. Well, I, won't, I won't talk too much about that. But, there, you know, <laughs> the thing I've shown is that the world, the geometry of the world wraps around, right? So it, mm-hmm. it forms a loop. Uh, in space and Bazinski's he's always worked with tape loops sort of in the 70s and then what happened was in early 2001 he wanted to digitize his these old tapes that he had 
But what happened, the story goes that he, you know, put them in this machine and then he forgot that they were there and they ended up sort of repeating themselves so many times that like the um, the magnetic dust on the tapes had worn off. <laughs> and so he panicked. At first, right, he basically lost all these tapes that he had. But then when he went to listen to the tracks, you end up getting this like one hour long track of this 10 second melody repeated over and over again as it slowly decays. Whoa. And it's, it's beautiful work. It's sort of now tied into 9-11. He was in Brooklyn at the time and apparently did this like the morning of the night before 9-11. And then, you know, they they were sort of watching the Twin Towers go up in smoke while listening to this. So it's a track that they play sometimes in the in the 9-11 memorial. But it's it's this haunting, beautiful soundscape. And it has... And, and in his interviews, he talks about sort of this it creates this bubble of eternity because there's no it doesn't feel like there's a beginning or an end to it and then you sort of and as a result you get the sense of timelessness um so so i and i love that idea of this audio loop creating a sense of timelessness and i think that ties in working very well with the loop the geometry loop that ends up creating a sense of infinity. Um, so that's... I'm not putting Pazinski's music in the, in the <laughs> game, uh, but but that's like sort of where... that the, the sort of direction I like to explore um, with audio. Hmm. So, so my audio question wasn't like just totally out there. It, it was actually good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, just, it's just not something that we've like really had a chance to implement yet uh really really just because of practical production issues you know we just we just got so much work with mm-hmm. uh with tech and design that that audio uh unfortunately but as is quite common with game development sort of uh ends up on the bottom of the list yeah you, you kind of get the game working and then you you add all the assets afterwards yeah, I mean, I'd love to do it differently, but our budget, time, and technical constraints, <laughs> uh, yeah, is not letting me do that. Jeez, uh, life just needs to take all those things away. <laughs> like, no, no constraints, no time, no, no money. Uh, yeah, but right. then you'd ne- you would never get anything done. Yeah, good, good point. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's something I I think about a lot. Like uh, how much how much more you could do, like if you didn't have to sleep, or uh, if uh, you just you know mysteriously woke up to to a big sum of money. Like what would you would you use it to fund your own projects? Would you use it to to help bring other projects that you look at or that you like to uh, bring them to life? Yeah, all sorts of stuff. Um. Oh, uh, Garlando Bloom says, I can recommend a very good musician if you need one, William. Is, is that a reference to something? Uh, I'm not... You mean that... Uh, I don't know his comment if there's, if there's a reference beyond what it says on the surface, but uh, I, am, I, I am bombarded with <laughs> musician emails. Um, <laughs> yeah. We do have, we, I do have people lined up. Um, we just we we still haven't like fully announced it yet, but thank you, Matthew. <laughs> yes, 
And uh, uh, Abner is also hosting the show on Twitch right now. Uh, if anybody's having internet issues uh, like Garlando. Oh, I keep mispronouncing that. Garlando, there we go. Um, so you can you can check that out at twitch.tv slash Coinbray, which you'd probably want to grab from the chat if you're in there. Um, otherwise, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's let's jump around. Uh, pick pick a number between zero and uh, ten. Zero and ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven. Seven. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, all right. So the question here is about the witness. Actually, you oh tweet- shit! Okay. <laughs> the- <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> Ooh, the witness. Uh, you tweeted uh, recently that you're you're like uh, the witness was kind of making you second question. Um, your development on uh, Manifold Garden, and I, I know it was probably like half kind of, you know, joking around, yeah. but uh, would you like to elaborate on that? Like, how how playing it has like kind of influenced your feelings about your own development and where you're bringing your game? Sure, I, I should begin by saying that I, I haven't finished The Witness yet, and I'm not uh, I'm, I'm really not that far in. Uh, I've been playing it like a half an hour to an hour a day for about almost two weeks. Wow, self constraint. Um, nice. <laughs> I mean, I want to play more. I've just been really busy. Um, and it's it's more just the response to it's partly the response to it. Um, uh, it but it, you know, it's a very different situation, right? So last year in 2014, I went to a lot of shows. I went to about 14 different game events. Mm-hmm just going every single one of them and asking people for feedback, showing them the game. And then like, I take all their, you know, their feedback, I'd go back and and change the game and iterate it and then show it at the next event. And it, um, and I think Alexander Bruce did this with Antichamber 2, where you really start to tailor the beginning of the game for a convention setting. And, and, and it's a really, I think it's, it's fantastic, right? Because it's, you want to, if you can hold someone's attention at an event like PAX East where there's so many other games out there, mm-hmm. I think that's like a really good testing ground for what it's like when your game hits market, right? If you think PAX East has a lot of games, well, you know, <laughs> wait till you see Steam. Right? I mean, when, when people are on Steam, there, there's a million, there's whatever, like 20,000 games. So why do they, your game needs to really grab them early on. Um, and I and, and I think that's good up to a point. Um, you know, it, it I I developed like a very very good intro, and it's just you know I'm, I'm making sure people are hitting these points. Like you're getting you're seeing stuff early on, um, and it's got a really strong intro. But it does mean, but like if you sort of extrapolate from there, you start doing stuff like okay, this puzzle is just a little bit too hard. You know, I'm seeing people mm-hmm. spend like. 15 minutes instead of five, so I'm going to get rid of it. And you and then I think. It, 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 it's a balance. There's not. It's not like it's not a science, right? But I did find myself maybe starting to do that a little bit too much. Where as soon as I saw any kind of resistance to the player, mm. I was getting rid of it. Um, and that's also, I think, a lot of the feedback I would get from festivals like Indiecade. And again, you have to think about like it, it's great to get feedback, but you have to think about the context in which that feedback is given. These judges are playing again hundreds of games. And they all have different tastes, so so maybe they'll say like, okay, well, we we found your game really difficult, um, and so just didn't get very far, right? But 
but playing the witness, which I've been finding incredibly difficult and slow pace, um, where where that game does not seem to be designed around that path of least resistance Mm-mm. for the player, has been really. It was like nice to see that and be like, okay, actually, you know what? I don't have to treat the player like a complete noob, and I can offer them challenges even early on. Um, mm-hmm. You can have speed bumps, so that's been. That was just, um, yeah, it was just it was sort of really nice to see that being done in that game and knowing, okay, maybe I've probably gone a little bit too far in, in removing obstacles and actually I can pull myself back. Um, so that's, that, that's a big part. And, you know, I, I was always worried, like, okay, maybe these puzzles are too difficult. You know, we shouldn't put them in the game. And then seeing the witness, I'm like, okay, actually, it's they're not that bad in comparison, so they're going in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the the witness it, it starts off really, really straightforward. Like the first, you know, puzzle is like, you know, you, you can figure it out. Yeah. If, if if you're two years old and you know, you just click it and you drag. It's a yeah, I, I don't even think you can not figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you could you could give it to a baby and they could just like mess around and like be yeah. touching the screen and it's solvable um and like that, that entire area there um it's just like it, it tells you so many little things about uh the game without you even knowing like uh like it, it gives you um like when when you when you walk up the stairs and you go outside like there there's a panel in your side of you that you can't do yet so like even there it's it's kind of teaching you like oh hey um certain panels need to be turned on by other panels. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, the the beginning of The Witness was, like, brilliantly done. And there, you, you said something a little bit ago um, about iterating on the first level. It, it reminded yeah. me of a quote that I heard somewhere. Now, now I can't remember it. Um, but, yeah, no. Uh, like, what 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 do you think is the the best feedback that you've gotten from a convention so far? Um, there, there's a lot. I, I, in terms of the one, like the best is different. There's a lot of different ways to sign best. I do think mm-hmm. one of the, one of my favorites is one I got from uh, Russell Honor. He's one of the Arcane kids. Okay. And uh, this was at Indicate actually, and I remember at the time I was really struggling with the art style of the game. It. it it um you know for a long time it was it, people would compare the game to antichamber which is like it's it's really not a bad thing uh uh you know early on the feedback was like you know during i think 2013 everybody was like this looks like a cool mechanic but it looks like a generic first person puzzle game <laughs> and it was just like everything you know it looked very much like a bad portal clone which there are many of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I changed it, you know, we added the edge detection. Um, and all of a sudden, so people started comparing to the antechamber, and I think it's much better, right? It's, it's instead of looking like every other, the sea of generic first-person puzzle games, now it's like, it's just me and antechamber. Um, <laughs> but it, it did, I, I think because that game is incredibly well done, and was very well received it's just like it puts this ton of pressure where you're like okay it's people are going to compare the two of us and, mm-hmm. and and the problem is like a lot of those decisions even if you don't try to 
emulate Antichamber, it's like being a solo developer with a minimalist art style, you end up arriving at the same conclusions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it just sort of was incredibly stressful knowing that people were going to compare the game. And it's like, that game's done so well. Of course, my game's not going to be as good. Um, and and uh, I remember I... So I would go around and I, I'd indicate. I was like, okay, how do I... This is what my game looks like. How can I make it better? How can I improve the look? And I asked Russell Honor... And he just goes, screen space gradient. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he says, screen space gradient. And and he, he brought up Vane, which I it's like this game made by in the studio in Japan. I, I don't actually know how far along it is, but I think some of them worked on The Last Guardian. Ooh. And if you look at that game, it's it's very clear. It's like blue to red. Every shot, blue to red, top to bottom. And it's, it's a screen space gradient. This is called Vane? It's a V-A-N-E, yeah. It, it, it looks very beautiful. I don't know what the game is about. But we brought up those screenshots, and it, it was so clear that it was just this screen space gradient happening. And as soon as I added that, the game, you know, it was this, like, huge multiplier for the game's aesthetic. Because the, the, the gradient works very nice because it all of a sudden it adds this directionality. Like, it, it, it's hard to... It mean, people might not notice it, but now there's like the top is slightly blue and the bottom is slightly red, and you always like you you can feel that. But also, what it does is it when it overlaps on top of the colors instead of just like the floor previously was all this one shade of blue. Now you get this like really nice gradient, right? Mm-hmm. There's like a bit of purple and a bit of red, and then it slowly goes into light blue, and it just makes the thing feel much more alive. And I just. That, that's sort of one of my favorite feedback because it's he always said it was like two words and it had such a huge impact you know like <laughs> impact to word ratio that one is so good um yeah the, being able to like change somebody's game with just two words that's <laughs> that, that's too much power for one man to hold <laughs> yeah I'll always remember that I was just like, what do you think? And he's screen space gradient. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, screen space gradients. Yeah, that's uh. that's going to be, you know, if I write a Gamma Sutra article once the game is done, I'll put that as number one feedback. <laughs> <laughs> number just, one just, advice just put, to put that as the title. Like, that's all you got to do with games. It's just screen space gradients. Yeah, <laughs> and you're selling a bajillion copies. Oh, um, oh, oh, we've got quite a few people in the chat. Uh, I see a Casey Miratori in there. Uh, D Seven Samurai, Fiery Drake, all sorts of cool people. All right. Oh wow! Hello, everybody. <laughs> Sweet, we're we're getting warm. So yeah, if if any of you guys have questions, uh, feel free to uh, interject. Uh, I've been reading the chat. Um, I don't think i saw any questions but there's there's some good conversation going on in there uh so yeah um what what else should, where should where should we go like i've, I've got all these questions that are totally unrelated which is like oh man i hope i hope that it, it flows smoothly today uh but i guess since we're on the topic of um uh events let's let's talk about your gdc talk so what what exactly are you talking about? Level design? Um, yeah, level design specifically with impossible geometry. So um, the 
it's mostly with it how it pertains to Manifold Garden and like the lessons I've learned with dealing with world wrapping and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, the game I do start off explaining non-Euclidean geometry, like that's sort of a term that people throw around when you have um, like just weird, unusual geometry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not always used right. Like technically, on the surface of the Earth, like it's a surface of a sphere, which is which is non-Euclidean. It just means it's not flat. Um, right, but people think of it as like crazy portal stuff, um, <laughs> and and even like with Manifold Garden with the world wrapping, that's actually that's still Euclidean. Everything when you draw two lines, they're still parallel. Um, right, they don't two parallel lines don't meet in in the game. We when we do in we do introduce portals, and then things get crazy later on, um, and so it, it kind of like explains what that is, and then how some of the challenges of working with that because it's, we don't, for example, when it comes to gating player progress, you can't use a lot of the tricks that other games do. Like you can't use a wall um, to block <laughs> players, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, in a normal game, you go up to a wall and then you can't get to the other side. Um, but in Manifold Garden, you can just jump off and you can land on the other side of the wall. <laughs> so... Um, and then we also can't use stuff like height as part part of it where the talk gets a little tricky is that it's not just impossible geometry the the mechanic of changing gravity and mm-hmm. walking on walls that actually like complements the weird geometry very well yeah there's um, like nowhere that you can't go yeah but it's like you you have to have both the uh, gravity changing and the world wrapping together like either on their own would actually wouldn't work that well but when you sort of combine the two they end up being this really beautiful combination uh where like one where the the sort of the problems of one is solved by the other mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it's talking about that and some of the lessons and techniques that i've learned uh it's only 30 minutes so everything is super condensed Oh, oh, the talk. <laughs> For the a talk, second, yeah, I was like, yeah, wait, the wait, so the, I, the I, game's I, I only 30 minutes? What? <laughs> a ton of detail. Oh, the talk, yeah. So, huh. Yeah, wait, which which day at GDC is that? Uh, it's on Tuesday. It's it's the level design in a day workshop, which is technically before the official GDC begins. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I might be going. I don't have a pass, so I'm probably just going to be hanging out with everybody out on the out in the park. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I spend most of my time uh, at GDC anyway. So, yeah, uh, Garlando Bloom asks, which you, which kind of actually answered, um, how much nonlinear linear nonlinearity are you? In, I can't say that today. Are nonlinearity. You there we go. Non. <laughs> uh, are you incorporating into the design of Manifold Garden? Do you want to incorporate the possibility? Uh, for encountering puzzles which cannot be solved until the player gains understanding later in the game. That I, I think that's exactly what you answered earlier. Yeah, well, so the the really the only linear part of the game is the beginning. There's like f- a sequence of four puzzles that you you have to do in that sequence, and that's mostly because any other combination, people end up developing the wrong mental model of how the mechanics work. Um, and then it screws them up later. So I, I, I need you to do them in, in the set order first. And then after that, it becomes 
more it, it opens up a bit right so so then once you go outside you you sort of have to embrace non-linearity with the game with the world wrapping because just so much geometry opens up that if you try to narrow the player's path it just it just doesn't work it's like you just at that once they go outside you have to embrace them going everywhere um but within that context it's like you still have to solve a bunch of puzzles here before you can go off to a bigger area so it 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 doesn't just go from like linear to completely non-linear it's like linear to a non-linear area that you still that's still linear in this bigger context um but towards the end it does become uh i think about halfway point you can basically go to everywhere in the game uh without solving all the puzzles in each area so it doesn't the the progression isn't based on having to completely finish one area first um so yeah you do end up encountering puzzles that that are quite difficult for you so it's not it's not quite as linear as it's not quite as open as the witnesses um it's a little more gated but but it's that's pretty close Hmm. (laughs) uh d7 said witness or advania i i think of it as a uh onion vania (laughs) onion onion vania well i got the term i was talking to draken who made starcy oh yeah and he told me he like mentioned this term iceberg vania it's a game that at the beginning you just see you know the tip of the iceberg and then it turns out that the game's like massive and there's a ton of other stuff in there Hmm. and I thought about Onionvania, which is this game has that has a lot of layers. <laughs> like the witness is probably like that, uh, and also Starseed Pilgrim, um, where you can kind of keep going back to these same places, and every time you do, the way you're looking at it is different. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Be, be careful which which crowd you say Onionvania around. You might get a lot of Shrek memes in your inbox. Shrek. Shrek. The. The movie? Yeah, they, he, there's a lot of onion jokes. Well, oh, I there, see. Okay. There, there's one onion joke in the movie, I think. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I don't know. That's that's where my, my mind went when you said onion. Okay. So I, I guess I've been infected with the, the meme world. <laughs> no. I, I just like coining new... <laughs> You know, whatever Vania terms, I think it's like <laughs> a really funny and pretentious thing to do. <laughs> funny and pretentious. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and then who else? Yeah, Gorlando Bloom, Metroid Brainania, or Brainia? Yeah, that's a good one, too. So, Onion Vania. All right, we're, we're coining it. It's it's a thing now, William. It's official. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then you said the other one was Icebergvania. Icebergvania, yeah, I didn't coin that, but uh, yeah, I Dr- heard Dr- it from Draken or Draken. I always say Draken. Uh, he he did a he did a tweet a while back saying like how to pronounce it, and I completely forgot. All right, uh, ch- chat. All right, sweet. So the the real reason we brought you on today was uh, to talk about balloons. Um, oh. <laughs> I, actually, I actually did want to uh, my past <laughs> yes br- bring it up so yeah or, or, or basically the the question that I have is is there going to be any um any sort of reference to balloons in your game not not balloons I think to some of the shapes the it was there were 
it, it's probably not clear from just looking at the pictures, but a lot of the later installations with the balloons are actually, in a sense, procedurally generated. Hmm. Um, so I, I did that stuff for about four years, and the earliest works were simply copies of existing visuals. So, right, they were like I'd see a cool plant or like a bioluminescent sea mm-hmm. creature, and I just made a sculpture based exactly on that with balloons. Huh. And towards the end, I stopped actually trying to. And then, you know, so that was like the very beginning where I'd see cool visuals and then just make them in 3D with the balloons. About the half, the sort of the middle phase, the second phase, that was where I would sort of design stuff on paper and then make those. So there were these abstract pieces, but again, that was basing off of a, a design I had. The third phase, which is the, kind of the last phase, I didn't start off with the design. Instead, what I would do is I would actually, I just had a set of rules that I would work with. So, you know, the, 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 the installations are made with the same balloons you use for balloon animals. So they're the long, skinny balloons. Mm-hmm. And when you fill them up, you don't want to fill up the whole thing with air, right? So you <laughs> want to leave a bit of the tail so that when you squeeze, the air has somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get really good, you have like a very good sense of how much air to fill in based on how many twists you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But you're not, you're not always like 100% right, right? So sometimes you'll get like this little knob at the end that's like you know an inch or four inches long that that you just sort of tuck in right like you've you've already filled it up like it's already too full with air and if you twist it again it'll pop but you just have this like little knob at the end uh and in the past i would just i would like pop those because you can pop those and then tie up the balloon oh yeah um but instead what i started to do was use those as um in the sort of like it's almost like a random generator right it was like at those are the points so i'd be building this branch and then if i get one of those knobs that's where the branch would split off so that was so like and then the way i worked with these was we'd always have about like a dozen to two dozen people working on the insulation and early on i'd be like okay you know what you just blow up balloons for me and i will twist them to make it into this towards the end i was like okay you know what i'm actually going to teach you how to make this structure Mm-hmm. And these are the rules. Every time you get a knob, you're going to start a new branch. So then, like, what would happen is I wouldn't know, what, like, what it's going to look like, but I teach all of these people these rules for splitting. And everybody would make me that. And then at the end of the week – and you only have, you only have like, four or five days to work with it because the – what with the balloons – and that's a pretty common question, mm-hmm. right? So they'll – the air starts escaping because it's trying to reach equilibrium with the air outside, the air pressure outside. Um, and – Longer than four days, the the they, the balloons lost enough air that it won't keep the knot. Like when you twist it, the reason why it holds is because like the air pressure is pushing against it. But after four days, like enough air has escaped that those sort of like unwind. Mm-hmm. So you have four or five days. So if you want to make a really big piece, you just got to get. You still only have four days. You just got to get more people doing it. Um, so then it's like at the end of a week, I would combine all the branches that everybody has made, and then that would be the installation. So you end up getting a lot of these like random procedural things, and I, I you know, I, I liked it because it was, you know, the both the participants become the artists, and I, as the artist, become the audience because I don't know what's going to happen at the end, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be some of that, not not necessarily with the balloons because I don't have curves in the game, but um, curves or spheres, but that idea of 
geometry generated procedurally based on a certain set of predefined rules. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not. It's not. It's not going to be procedural and like it's not going to be this level with enemies. But there are going to be these structures that are whose shape they're they're similar in in idea to to the balloon insulations. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds really cool. Um. So, like, what, what, I guess, what, how do I even phrase this? What, do you, do you want to, if it's even, like, simple enough to talk about, uh, like, can you give us an example of, of how that, that works in the game? Like, the, the structure, how, um, <laughs> if you can walk us through because uh, it sounds interesting, yeah, but it, it might like, be too much um, for just words without visuals. Yeah, well, so the game, and and this is sort of where I think my game, it, it does tie into like this game design philosophy. You know, uh, I think it's it's no secret that like Jonathan Blow's work has been been a huge influence uh, on my work. Um, right, like it was like watching indie game the movie and hearing him talk that made me want to make games. Um, and 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 I've watched like almost every single one of his talks and and i've in terms of designing puzzles that's like his approach to it is what i've been what i've used um but but my game does diverge in that it parts of it just become this like exploration of visuals just for the hell of it <laughs> that's not tied into the mechanics um like it's it's not sort of as pure of a design as i think his his work is um, there's parts where I'm just like playing with great looking visuals kind of for no reason. I mean, I, I will back it up uh, in the game, but there's some where I'm just like being very indulgent um, on the visuals. And that's that's where and it has these structures that you might I don't know if you'll interact with them or not. It, it might be a little bit too complicated, um, but those are those are created with these rules that the player does have some impact over. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anymore because it is sort of something I want to keep as a surprise. All right, we've got two questions in the chat. Uh, Casey Miratori asks: There's been a lot of blowback on the witness because there's not enough "quote unquote" overt motivation uh, for you to solve puzzles. Are you worried about that for your game? Um, no, I, I've actually uh, catered to the player a little more than the witness. They. And I think that's part of that, like, journey in 2014. Like, I think one of the things that Antichamber does really well is it's always keeping a carrot in front of the player. You know, like, <laughs> when I, I had these windows early on in the game, that was just there because, like, you're like, well, here's a room. I'm going to put a window there because I just – it feels like it needs a window. And then Alex was like, why do you have this window there? I said, I don't know. He said, every time you have a window, you should be showing the player something they can't have now, but that they can get later, right? And, and as soon as you get whatever is behind that window, you're going to see another window with something that's even cooler. And that's like, and so, and I think Antichamber does that really well. It's like constantly putting a carrot in front of you to be like, all right, come here, come here, come here, you know? And mm-hmm. and uh, and the witness doesn't really do that, but, but in Manifold Garden, like that, because I, I sort of followed that path for a year. I have all these like little carrots <laughs> to kind of pull the player forward. 
And it, it I think same thing with um, Fract OSC. Like once you solve a puzzle, the whole world lights up and you get like a really great sense of reward. Um, which, which again is also something I'm, I'm, I'm doing. Like, yeah, I, you know, the, the, the witness, once you solve a puzzle, you're just rewarded with more puzzles. Um, and, and, but I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm like, I, I think, and this comes to, like, I think John's in a, in a really special position because he is given the benefit of the doubt, um, by everyone, right? Like, Okay, this game's super. Like, if if the witness wasn't made by him, <laughs> and I was stuck on a puzzle for, I would not let myself get stuck on a puzzle for three hours. I would just quit, right? But because yeah. I know the game is made by him, and there's something really special, like I will keep playing. Um, and I don't think I have that luxury. Like, I think if if players don't feel a good sense of reward with my game because I don't, they don't have any trust for me, they'll just leave. Um, hmm. So I have to try much harder than John to give the player this like good feeling of reward after they solve a puzzle. Well, um, you only need to do that for the first two hours of the game. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I need to do that for the first two hours and then like afterwards, right? But so what I mean is like <laughs> I need to build up that sense of trust. Oh, sorry, not that, that was a steam refund joke. About, like me wanting to get past the steam refund, but it's more like I need to build up a sense of trust, which I, I think John doesn't quite have to do yet because he's he's made braid, yeah, and, and he's he's very well known. Um, yeah, I don't. It, I, it, it does feel for me like I'm like catering to 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 players, right? Like I, I'm like, look at all these carrots that I've got. <laughs> uh, but but I I feel like I just have to do that. Uh, and then Abner Cornbury also asked. Uh, you've recently said, um, you know, not not on his show or anything. Uh, wait, wait, chat's moving. Um, you recently said that you have been pleasantly surprised by the strong knit feeling the game community has forged in you. When you leave game dev in favor of another pursuit such as culinary arts, do you hope yeah. to find a similar community? Yeah. Was that a question? <laughs> it, yeah, I yeah. Um, I guess uh, a better question. Um, uh, would be branching off that. Do you think you'll find a better community or a similar I, community? I hope so. I mean, I, I think I'm more like you know. I, I worked in advertising, and uh, for for like seven months, and really did not. I I really enjoyed it when I was there, and then I ended up getting screwed over uh, by the company I was at, and it 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 made it of it sort of like left a really bad taste in my mouth. Um, and and I haven't really found that in in games. Like people really do want to help you out and have you succeed. You know, I, I think part of it too was just like working at a big company where everybody was more concerned about like keeping their job and not doing great work. But at the end of the day, it's like it's advertising. So why would you really <laughs> like even if you made a really funny ad, it's, you're just like a body wash salesman. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, don't you think it'd be like super fascinating to talk to the Jonathan Blow <gasps> of the culinary world, like whoever that is, right? Like mm-hmm. Just someone that has these like incredibly strong opinions about how food should be made that goes against the sort of mainstream direction 
and who like really makes you see what's special about cuisine. I don't know. And it is driving food in a direction that it's never been driven in before. Yeah, people don't I, realize I, I, I the potential. Like, love to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, John. John kind of leaves you you speechless when he, when he talks. Like you're just like, whoa. So if if you could yeah. find somebody in another community that that has that same effect, as long as you're passionate about that community, I think there it would be really really cool. Yeah, like I'm I'm having these these really incredible moments. You know, like like the witness kind of it, it does feel like work just because it's like I want to study it, but I'm also like not very good at games. Um, it's just taking me a long mm-hmm. time. But you, you, there are these sequence of puzzles where I'm just like, holy shit, it is so good. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, wow, you know? Like, that's so elegant in, in what you've done there. Um, and it it's, right? And it's like, can you imagine that, but with food or, or whatever other medium? Um, well, with food, it would be so interesting. You, you, you eat something that's that you're just like wow that that makes you look at food in a new way i think that'd be pretty fascinating i don't know if that's actually possible i just you know i don't i don't know if there's like a one-to-one correlation between the culinary world and the indie game world uh some people are saying that they're having uh, stream issues so uh (laughs) we're sorry about that um it's probably my internet um just being awful because yeah uh I'll turn off a couple of my devices quick. Uh, so yeah, there, there we go. Hopefully, that, hopefully that helps. Um, but otherwise, yeah. Uh, any any other questions in there? Nope. So like, what what other areas are you interested in? Because uh, I I know cuisine is is one that you're looking into. Are there any others that have been on your mind for a while? Um. Not not so much. I think that that seems like it'd be something that would take a few years at mm-hmm. least. I I probably would maybe think about something else once I'm there. But <laughs> yeah, because you when when you're talking about it, you kind of sounded like you're you're really motivated to um, or on on Abner's stream that you're really motivated to get into a field, understand it, and a really like personal deep understanding and then like be able to do it and then move on to the next thing because you you're constantly wanting to try to become a master so to say of of different fields do you, do you feel that's kind of um i don't know if, if necessarily i want to become a master i think that's something that like would take a long time mm-hmm. but but to be able to like converse with the mat with the masters in a way that's actually meaningful mm-hmm. you know i think like if i just watched indie game the movie and i saw john yeah in the street i like could try to start a conversation with him but i don't think that would actually be meaningful in any significant way but being able to have discussions with him about like puzzle designs and it's like okay, okay well well why are we doing this this way and and why not put this door here and it's like oh i see because because when you do this, that happens, and and this is why, like that to me is so much more fascinating, um, uh, yeah, than than just like, hey, I saw you in that movie. You made that really cool game, right? Like, yeah, 
Yeah, you, you could like rewind time. Where, where did you even get that idea, man? <laughs> <Right>? Like, <laughs> you know, just like how long did it super... take you to design those puzzles? And, and that's not that's not very interesting. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm thinking about getting into games too. Like, is C plus plus good? Um. So yeah, I, I think I yeah, but I, I don't I don't think I, I would actually become a master. Like, especially now, just designing this game and making this game and having taken three years, I'm I've no like. Just, just the stuff that goes into good tech and good design is is really something that's like that just that takes years mm-hmm. uh, and many games before you're, yeah, <laughs> before you're anywhere remotely close to being a master. Um, <laughs> but I do feel I am. I've learned. I know enough to to like have meaningful conversations about that stuff. So like you. you- you want to achieve a level where you know you you can get where you huh I'm trying to say this in a different way than you should I'm just not no I'm I'm not yeah you you want to be able to yeah, talk to the like, masters I, I think and in then... a lot of ways like I, I do still <laughs> think of myself as an artist mm-hmm. uh, and, and that like how how one appreciates art um is is so um like, like, I think Star Seed Pilgrim is the most beautiful game mm-hmm. ever made. Or, or it is it for me. Yeah. yeah it's, it's incredibly beautiful. Um, but that's not a game that you would maybe appreciate until, unless you're like a game designer yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think knowing enough about game design to appreciate that is, is really wonderful. Like just knowing enough about a medium to like really appreciate the like really amazing things that that medium has done mm-hmm. um, is is pretty great. Yeah, I've I've only played Star Seed Pilgrim a few times. Um, Logging the Steam right now, but that probably wouldn't be good for the stream. Um, and I I haven't quite gotten to the point where I fully get it. I understand all the mechanics, well, yeah. all, all all the like the 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 seeds. Um, yeah. But I haven't quite figured out the whole, like inverse world thing yet. Yeah, I... it's it's kind of it's a weird, it's kind of a game that's more fun to think about than it is to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm just waiting to have that epiphany. Like I, I know it's gonna come because it, it sounds yeah. like it's one of those games where like once you get it, you get it, and it's like, <gasps> it, but I haven't quite I haven't quite gotten there yet. <sighs> I, I, is that what it's like? There, there's like a big epiphany, kinda. There's a bunch. It's not even just about the... I actually... It's kind of weird because a lot of times when people talk about that game, they're like, I don't want to spoil anything. But I actually don't think that that matters. It's it's more like... You can know all that stuff, but it's the way that the game puts all of them together. It's like this... It, it, it dances with mechanics. And it's so... It, it Yeah, it's like... It's a dance. It, it dances with mechanics in, in its design. Um... That's that I haven't really seen done anywhere else, and it's like, yeah. So Garlando Bloom asks, or well, okay, yeah, the, the beginning is a question. I wonder why you consider an exploration of abstract architecture to be a quote unquote lesser goal than the pure mechanical stuff. Seems like the interplay between these two things in the entire thread, which the game is following. Yeah, um, you can't have one without the other, I suppose. Um, it just doesn't feel, it's, I don't know if it's lesser, it's just not as pure, you know, like I feel with, 
with these like pure design puzzle games, you can have like a very clean system that's really elegantly done, and and just the architecture makes things some of the things very messy. Mm-hmm. Um, is that that's all I was saying? It's it's, it's not as like. No, I'm not. That, I don't know if that's like a good or a bad thing. Um, it, it's what I like and what I want to see, but it's just not as like clean. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like if you are doing a more pure on the puzzle stuff, there's almost a an ideal clean version that you can reach where mm-hmm. everything is just perfect, sort of. Um, that that with the architecture stuff, there's that's not quite the case. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's see. I think the experience is okay. Uh, so let's let's talk. Let's let's touch. Yes, let's touch about twat or twatch. Um, I <laughs> let's talk about Twitch. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I was like, huh, wow, I really really screwed that one up. Oh, touch touch about Twitch. Um. Uh, yeah, Twitch. So um, there's two things uh, mainly, um, and I guess we'll get the first one out of the way. Uh, so feature creep. I've seen this happen on a few different streams, okay. uh, especially Kyle Pulver's recently. He's just started um, streaming on Twitch, and just in the the couple days that he has, like he started a feature creep list from from Twitch. And I was wondering if that's happened to you at um, all while you're what's, working what, what, what does what do you mean by he has a like he gets ideas for features while streaming and then he adds them to this list uh yeah people are like oh hey you should add oh. this or uh like yeah like have you has, has the game uh grown in size based off of people um suggesting things in chat or giving you ideas really uh no not not in my stream because i think it sounds like Kyle is just starting a new game. Uh, yeah, he's like halfway through. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's like when I by the time I started streaming, I already had a very clear idea, and like we know our trajectory and what we're doing. Um, it the the one thing that did impact the game and, and change its size, but not really. It like the dark mode I introduced, um, right? Which mm-hmm. um, most of January was spent designing, and we finally figured it out we've got it implemented. It, it wasn't like a huge. <clears throat> It's it's gonna add some work design wise, but that's actually the easiest thing for us to do because mm-hmm. of the pipeline. Um, so and it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of tech. The that that came about through Ryan Clark's stream. Uh, <laughs> he's the developer of uh, Crypto Necrodancer. Mm-hmm. He's been doing that Feedback Friday where he does like market analysis of games, and and he wrote that. And it, so basically I went to TwitchCon and because uh, I was like everybody's talking about Twitch and I'm like I should go see what this is about and it was it was incredibly it was an incredibly eye-opening experience and uh, and I think Ryan has like a very very uh, the way he approaches game development and he's like a he's a total veteran right he's made 10 games 8 of which have been profitable <laughs> which is huge I'm like holy cow yeah, dude yeah it is that, that's like a really great track record but he does things in a way that's like very business savvy like he's he keeps like a you know he does his market research and then he does these early tests to see if this is like an idea worth pursuing with like the lowest amount of risk and then like every step of the way right which is very different than how i think and so so immediately i was like i gotta get his advice 
on on my game, right? Because because mm-hmm. it's totally different. And so when he started doing the feedback Friday, I was like, "Yes, yeah, sign me up." So I ended up being the first one. Really? And he talked about how the game. He has these like multipliers and different factors. Like, okay, does your trailer help you? Does your name help you or not? Uh, and he had this section for pre pre play virality and post play virality. Pre pre play being like you haven't played the game. How likely are you to like talk tell other people? And he played the sort of the opening, and I didn't get a very high post play virality score. Not because like it's a bad game, but it's just like a lot of the stuff I that was cool. You already kind of saw it early on, you know, like the architecture. You kind of see that in the screenshots and the pictures. So it's like, but um, and it it I I started to think about like what is it that makes games like The Witness. And Starcy Pilgrim, these games like Starcy Pilgrim doesn't feel like anything special when you look at it. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of people that play it are like, "Dude, you have to check this out!" And I think it's about like where they take these things that are not as easily picked up on from screenshots. Um, that these like moments that are really special where they make you look at the game completely differently. Um, these moments where the horizon breaks, and uh, and I, that's where the the so Brian did not give me the idea for the dark mode, but he gave me he sort of planted the seed to start searching for something that eventually became the dark mode. Um so that's 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 the only thing that's come about not through my Twitch streaming, but <laughs> I guess on Twitch yeah. through someone else's streaming. Um yeah, but I think I think at this point where I have a very clear idea of what the game is and where it's going people's suggestions are not quite as like impactful they're, they're sometimes i'm like well what do you guys think of this versus that color that shade and that that helps because you're like so close to the game you like these two blue colors look just the same to you um but yeah hmm. so you you were saying twitchcon opened your eyes um like what to to what exactly well, like, I don't... I always did not understand stream, because I didn't even play video games before I started working. Like, I, I mean, I had an N64 <laughs> as a kid, and I played a lot of Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and then I stopped playing games for, like, ten years until I started working on Manifold Garden. And then... And it it was, like... Well, it's just, just a lot of, I think, the conventional lines of, like, game developers... Like, everybody's like, yeah, it's Twitch and YouTubers, right? Mm-hmm. But you go to TwitchCon and you realize, okay, you can't just like blanket email your game to the top 100 streamers with the with the most f- subscribers or followers. Yeah. Because some of them only play Nuclear Throne over and over again. And like <laughs> he's not like I met this guy recently at a Twitch meetup in Chicago, and he plays. He's a partner, and he plays three games of Pokemon simultaneously. On, Whoa. On the DS. I. I like that, that's like his thing right and it's like that's his community and that's what he does so like <laughs> he's not going to play my game and even if he did his community would be like what is this we want more you know simultaneous Pokemon mm-hmm. um, that's like you know tuning into Top Gear and then they're talking about fashion <laughs> and not cars so like recognizing that that's what that is and that it's and you have these it's not like 
it's not like game press, but in this live form. Um, and that, oh, so you, you, I met these, you know, the, these girls, like there's this one girl, she lives in Montreal. They're like in their early twenties and her best friend is this girl from the Netherlands and they met through streaming. And I was like, you guys are best friends and met through Twitch. <laughs> and that's like, uh, yeah, I, I know it was just like really mind blowing for me. Um, so like just seeing that, that it, Twitch is really more about this community, um, and that there are so many different subcultures within that and sub communities. Um, it was just something I never heard of within developer circles. Like people would just tell you, "Yeah, Twitch and YouTube are is a big thing. You need to you need to talk to the big streamers and the big <laughs> YouTubers." Um, and that that's it. But then when I went to TwitchCon, it was just like, wow, this is a whole world. Yeah, our our last guest, uh, he streams, and uh, he used to stream a lot of game dev, and he was talking about how, um, how when, once he started streaming his own game development, he lost yeah. a lot of people because they were yeah. you know, expecting, you know, oh, hey, we want to watch you play CSGO for... Right, for and now it's like Visual Studio. <laughs> like, who wants to watch that? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people do. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah right, no. right. But I mean, if you were going in expecting him to like, expecting to like watch him run around, blow up things, <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, you, you, text. You'd almost need that uh, that IDE that blows up your test text when you delete it. Have, yeah. have you seen that? Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Oh man, I should add that. <laughs> I'm, I'm running that down. That's actually kind of a good idea. Now it'd be super distracting. But... <laughs> Yeah, you'll just be tight. Everybody will be coming coming to your stream and be like, oh, hey, you're that William Shear guy? He's got, like, that exploding te- tech stuff. Yeah. Um, like, oh, and I, I guess he's working on a game, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Orlando Bloom uh, said, I sort of disagree with that assessment of uh, purity uh, of design. Yeah. There is no purity, or no purely uh, bottom-up design game. It is always an interplay between in position on part of the designer and the discovered things along the way. So, uh, ah. I thought that was... Yeah, yeah, I mean, up. it's not, it's not like a super clear-cut thing. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a spectrum, and I, I definitely feel like I've, I, I am... Yeah, like, there, there's some... Actually, I'd be curious, because I haven't shown Jonathan too much. He's played quite a bit of the game, but he hasn't seen any of like these like pure architectural stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of curious what what he's gonna think of it. Um, some of them are just very indulgent, um, like visually, and and they don't they don't actually they in, in in some cases they almost interfere with the mechanics and the puzzle design. But I'm like, you know what? I I love the way this building looks and these columns. So. I'm gonna put them there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it would be interesting to yeah, and I don't I don't think that's like better or worse, right? Mm-hmm. That's just how I'm doing it. Um. Uh, so w- when you're working with Indie Fund, like how how's the experience been 
and uh, what what all does like working with IndieFun uh, entail like, w- that you can talk about, of course. <laughs> uh, it, it's been really great. It's actually they're like super hands off. They 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 never emailed me and been like, "Dude, where's your build?" <laughs> it's it's actually, and I kind of wish they did that, but it's more it's like you email them when you want uh, feedback. So let's see, a few times I've emailed them. Um, uh, two things I remember when I was doing the name change mm-hmm. I asked everybody how I should announce that um, and they gave me really good feedback and they also gave me really good feedback when it came to revenue share uh, with um, I'm setting up like bring on the programmer you know I, this David David Lasky is a programmer mm-hmm. of the game and he came on board last year part time just kind of helping me out with tools and then this year I was like okay I need you full time and we we're trying to set up uh, uh, revenue share of some of that um, in the contract, and that I knew nothing about. And I emailed IndieFund um, about it, and that was yeah. They they just gave me a lot of really good feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like the thing is, a lot of people get really tied up with percentage points, and they are important, right? I mean, if yep. you have like if you got ten people and then. You know, to go if you're giving everybody one percent, then you go up for two percent. Well, that that's that's a big thing, right? But <laughs> if it's just like one well, person, you actually really don't need to worry about uh, like one or two percentage points. Like some people are like, oh, is it five percent or six percent? It's like, you know, that's that's ten thousand dollars for like, um, you know, a million dollars that your game makes. Like you don't, yeah, you know, you having that that kind of perspective really helps. Um, so it's a lot of been some some business stuff, um, but they've been they've been great to work with. They're like super hands off. Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, was, I was about to read Carolina Bloom's question again. My uh, my IRC client is not updating the new thing. Uh, so one of the things that I found really interesting in your stream with Opner was your quote about putting pants on in the morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the, the issue I always have is sometimes I fall asleep with my pants on already. Oh. So I, I just wake up and I'm already ready to go. Maybe, maybe that's not good. Am I am I getting ahead of myself or am I not finishing the previous day? Um, <laughs> that just sounds really uncomfortable. I don't know how you fall asleep with that. Um, well, I, I, I wear pajama pants a lot. Oh, so. okay. So I, I always, like, I've been working. I mean, I started working from home even before the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was doing... Uh, with the installation, I did that for four years, but it was the last year that I managed to do it full time, like just kind of going from commission to commission to mm-hmm. commission, and managed to like stretch that out for a full year. And and working from home, what I always found, like I need to treat it like a workspace, right? If I if you start if I start wearing like pajama pants when I go sit in front of my computer, then, then it's like, it's not clear whether I'm working or if I'm not working. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, things start to blur together too much. But I, I, it's just like, you have to work the, the pants thing. And I, and I do do it. I always put on pants, <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, sit down and program, even though it's just my living room, uh, and I'm alone is that it really mentally helps me compartmentalize the different parts of my life. 
So then, so then when you're done, it's just like you, you slip them off and you're like, oh, I'm free. Well, I'm not like <laughs> as soon as I get off the computer, right? But, <laughs> just but, but, um... Um, so yeah, no, there there is some yeah. interesting uh, stuff there because like I I do freelance stuff and right. I've been having problems with that because uh, r- right now I'm I'm back at my parents for a while and it's just like I don't have dedicated workspace, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, so that, that's hard. That. You, you really, yeah, it, it helps to have that, I think. Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, because it, it's like I, I use the table and then, like, when it's dinner time, I, I, you know, throw it to the side and... Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some mix there. So, I, I don't know, that, that spoke true to me and I, I kind of wanted to bring it up because... Yeah. And also, the, like, like what I like, you know, you, like, put on pants and you, you kind of, like, dress up. Um, and it's like, you're not going to do that if you're just going to lounge around <laughs> on the couch, like... If you like start lounging around on the couch, you'll feel like I got dressed up for nothing. So <laughs> I should do some programming. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Garlando Bloom does have a question now. Uh, really, the only further question I have is if William is interested in possibly getting some feedback from me on the game. Yes, yes, yes. It's it's not. Um, so where the game is at right now is like we had this game. And uh, 2014, I did a ton of tweaks, and then at the end of it, we had I had I felt like I had this really good build. We started adding more content at the beginning of 2015, and I kept running into this problem of I'd be designing levels, and then this door wouldn't be working, or like this box is falling through the wall, and then I would spend, you know, I'd be like, okay, let's look at this, and I would end up spending a week on that system. Right, and I go back to the level, and then there's just, like, some other problems. So it was this, like, stop-and-go thing, which was incredibly frustrating. Because, like, I feel like good level design, you're, like, in the zone, you know? Yep. Um, and it, I wasn't being able to get into that. So finally, I was like, okay, you know what? I need the, – the game is at this point where I need, like, I can't do hacky programming. Like, all these problems are because I just hacked everything together. I need, like, actually sit down and figure out the architecture and, like, good programming. And I knew that that was beyond me. Um, which is why we brought on David and then we started like made like the first one of the first tools he made was this tool to create a window and that and it you know now it used to take I used to put these like little boxes together and it would take me an hour to mm-hmm. make a window and then if I wanted to change it I'd have to redo the whole thing and it would take another hour like if I just wanted to change one tiny part of it I would still have to completely redo the entire window and then David came on and he wrote a tool where I can design it in Photoshop mm-hmm. Right, so it only takes as long as it it is, is to like come up with the actual pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, aren't then, you guys just reading each pixel? Yeah, Isn't and then that, it yeah. just ex- extrapolates that into a three D window and then puts it in the game already as a prefab. And so it used to be this like painful, tedious thing that took hours, and now it's like five ten minutes, and it's and it, and that's all design work, right? There's no like tedium to it. Um, and if I want to make changes. It only takes as long, you know, I it takes a minute to make the change and then boom, it's a new window. So we've been doing that all of at the, so the second half, so it's like the first half of 2015, I was realizing I had these problems. The second half of 2015, we were writing all the solutions mm-hmm. uh, and then we ported the game to Unity 5 and then just redid everything. So, but the thing was the game content was still the same, more or less the same as it was at the end of 2014. Um... So, but now we're finally at a stage where we have all these tools and the proper, like, good programming practices. Uh, 
And now I'm finally getting back into new content creation. Um, so it's ill, but so at the moment it's like I don't have the demo still doesn't have these like new design things that we're experimenting with mm-hmm. but hopefully by the end of this month early next month we will yeah and then yes then I then I do want Garlando Bloom's feedback <laughs> so. yeah so are, are you guys friends then like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah, I've, I've uh his his uh his video on uh on puzzled honest puzzle design is one of my favorite it's like if people ask me about the puzzle design I'm like just go watch that Oh man, I need I need to watch that now, uh, Gorlando. If you wanna link that in the chat, I'm gonna check it out afterwards. Yeah, it's it. You know, he he talks about stuff like if your puzzle sort of works well with like really bad art, right? But mm-hmm. it's like, but it's still very interesting. Then you you pretty much know you've got something good there. Ooh. Um, I can make bad art, and that's <laughs> yeah. Um, and that that for me. The early part of development, it, I had really bad art, mm-hmm. but the puzzles I knew were interesting, so I I identify with that. So, uh, other other puzzle games that that have uh, inspired you? I, I think I saw you say something about the Swapper at one point. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Swapper is very, um, yeah, the Swapper I liked a lot. Uh, I don't, not. It, it's hard to study that one as much as because it's 2D. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's got really great pacing, and I love the art on that. Um, but a lot of where I'm more interested in now is, like, how to guide the players through a 3D space. So that's not quite as influential um, on my work. Like, uh, you know, Cairo, uh, Nesanse, Fract, mm-hmm. Talus... Are, are more relevant um, to, to my current work. Mm-hmm. Uh, of those of those puzzle games, uh, which which one do you think is one of your favorites, or which ones are your favorites? Uh, if you can narrow it down to one, well, awesome. But, yeah. I, I, would, I love Nesanse. I, I It's not even a puzzle game, right? But mm-hmm. it's it's so. I mean, I one of a big influence on the architecture in the game is this book this manga blame by this Japanese artist, Sutomu Nihei. He's what's that Knights of Sidonia. I think that's, that's like this Netflix show. It's, it's a Netflix anime, but he's also the guy that did that. And blame is set in this mega structure. Um, there's not much of a, there's a plot. It's not super clear what's going on, but it's all set in this, like there, it's about this guy. He's traveling through this massive structure that, I, I think it's supposed to be like a Dyson star mm-hmm. structure that's built around the star. Okay. This is huge. It's, it's, it's like, you know, there's no end to it in there. They keep going up and down, but they, the, the, the manga has this wonderful way of it. It'll show you this panel. That's got this huge space and you'll see them as these like tiny dots and there's like door at the end of it. And they'll end up at that door on like the complete other side. And you just have this really fantastic sense of scale. And Nason says the only game I've played that's like, that's that's and I know blame is is a huge influence. There are some shots that that, that are like straight out of blame, but that's the only game that's caught that's gotten some of those feelings. Like there's there's one scene, one area you come out and you sort of see the size of those, the world, and I that was like this breathtaking moment um, for me. Um, 
there, there's there's a lot of design problems that I that are there, but they're they almost have to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it it's it's not it doesn't feel very guided. You're constantly getting lost, um, and it's very punishing because if you fall off, you die. But it's sort of, but it, that's those are the feelings that contribute to the place feeling very alien and like like when you're walking on the ledge you're like I don't think I'm supposed to be here right but then it, it makes walking on that ledge like actually meaningful um, but then it's frustrating when you fall off and have to like keep doing the same part over and over again <laughs> yeah t- tedious stuff like that uh, awful yeah but it, it like sort of needs it so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted about that and, and what game did you say this was? Uh, naissance it's like there's the French word naissance birth and then with an extra e at the end okay nice n-a-i-s-s-a-n-c-e-e huh sweet I will look it up oh there so capital E at the end yeah yeah he's like okay. capital E at the end sweet I found it on Desira I don't know why that came up before Steam on Google, but it did. Um, oh, it's not even loading. I'm just going to stop. Uh, ah, Garland of Bloom typed it. Uh, so, uh, we're just about through questions, and uh, we're approaching the hour and a half mark, which is usually where we start to wind things down. So if anybody else has any questions, uh, get them out on the, the chat while we're still live. Otherwise, I want to close close it with um well we we used to uh always close it with like asking what what advice um <laughs> you uh people have for people getting into uh game develop or game development <laughs> and all that but you already do that a lot so I think it's pretty clear what my advice is which is screen space gradient oh oh yes of course <laughs> screen space gradient yes uh, but I, w- I was going to ask about your experience running the Bob Ross game dev. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't know what you were talking about. <laughs> oh, 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 oops. Oh, is that a secret? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Oops. I have no idea what you were talking about. Oh, uh, I, I think I got you mixed up with that other William. Um, yeah, I think that that must be it. It's a great, it's a great Twitter account uh-oh. and, uh, everyone should follow it. But uh, yeah, whoever's running it is like, is 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 doing a great job. I, I just knew he was he was following some William, so I just yeah. Okay. It, it, that account follows me. I don't know why. <laughs> Weird. It, it's gonna feel pretty good though, being a hundred percent of somebody's following. Yeah, I, I I am honored. Yeah. Yeah, they they've got the best Twitter feed out there. Yeah, whoever whoever is running that, thank you. You are brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Abner, William Cheer. If NASA requests to launch a game uh, designer into orbit, do you mind if I pencil you down? <laughs> That's like a death sentence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I would actually. I would totally do it. Yeah, that would be. I, yeah, I, well, you know, I study physics. Oh, uh, yeah, you, you'd so, be perfect, so, right? man. Yeah, I, I have... Uh, it's actually really great, because Kip Thorne, who, you know, the, the gravitational wave discovery, which is sort mm-hmm. of the big news now, it was his book, Black Holes and Time Warps, which I remember reading in high school that, like, made me really interested in stuff and made me want to study physics, um, which, 
you know, certainly has led to Manifold Garden. And uh, he also did the the black hole visualization in Interstellar, which at least Ooh. visually is an, is, an, is an influence on my game. So it's kind of, that's sort of super cool. I still need to see that movie. I don't know why I haven't. Mm. Ugh. Like, I remember everybody's talking about it for the longest time, and I was like, oh, no, shush, shush, spoilers. I don't want to know anything. And now it's like, why haven't I watched it? But yeah, no, uh, I, I was actually looking up uh, information on uh, astronauts the other day, because I, I was just, when, when I was little, I wanted to be an astronaut, and somebody said something that made me think that I couldn't be one, so I, I wanted to, like, look up, like, what the actual, like, requirements were. And there there's a height requirement to be an astronaut. Did you know that? Oh, what is it? It's um it's sixty five to seventy seven inches, which is five feet five inches to six feet five inches. Oh, okay. Then I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm five five, so I'm like sweet, I'm oh, right at the bottom. You're good too. Whew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you will we'll just get a bunch of game devs together and just launch in orbit and Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And then like in the future if you think about it, there will be different planets, you know, that we will have occupied, and communication will become distant again, and there will be games in certain galaxies that other galaxies will have never heard of. How does that make you feel? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Mm -hmm. But maybe the internet will be intergalactic. Yeah, that's, that's the question, though. It's like, will the will the internet be able to span that wide? And even if it can, how long will it take for us to get there? And yeah, lots of stuff. Um. So yeah, uh, I think that's all. Oh, you know what? Nope. Baconizer uh, asks, "What's your favorite food?" Favorite food. Uh, favorite food. Favorite food. Damn, that's a. Uh, sushi. Ooh, sushi. Oh, I haven't had sushi yeah. in forever. God, now I want sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really hungry too. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Baconizer. I want bacon and sushi, maybe even together. Oh. All right, so uh, that, that's our show for today. Uh, William Shear's got a Twitter account, which is his name. Uh, also a website, which is just williamshear.com. Uh, you want to plug anything else? Uh, yeah, you know, I stream on Twitch, and that's just twitch.tv slash William Cheer. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Uh, if you want to stick around for a minute afterwards, that'd be great. Uh, otherwise, we are going to go into the credits. Thank you for listening in to broadcast number 72 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is broadcasted live with 1,000 mics and recorded using Audacity. If you enjoyed the show and are interested in more, you can visit our archive at IndieFunction.com, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Our next show is on February 27th with Andrew McCluskey and Dan Johnston of Checkered Inc. Thank you again for listening in to Indie Radio, and we hope you have a fantastic weekend.